Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today, our guest is Samantha Stewart. Samantha is a 10-time Canadian national medalist in women's wrestling and is training for the Tokyo 2021 Olympic Games. She holds three degrees in kinesthesiology, you can fix it later for me, Samantha, psychology and counseling, and has a passion for helping others discover their purpose, achieve their aspirations, and reach their potential. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thank you for having me. So I, I messed up on the pronunciation. Kinesthesiology, is that right? Kinesiology. Ah, uh, wasn't even close. close. Kinesiology. What is that? That's the study of what? Uh, so basically, it's the study of the human body and human movement. Um, so there's two streams, one of which is like kin science. So people who go on to be physiotherapists, do osteopathy, that kind of stuff. Okay. And then the stream that I took, which is interested in sport and recreation. So... My passion, if you couldn't tell from my other two degrees, is <laughs> kind of on psychology and like mental wellness for athletes. So I started off with my kinesiology degree to kind of get that base and take all of the sports psychology classes I could. And then I went and did my BA. And then I wanted to do uh, my master's degree in counseling so I could actually practice as a counselor. Cool. Well, that's all still just part of the intro. Let me go ahead and hand you our virtual microphone. Oh, I actually have a microphone. Hand it over to you. And, and the stage is yours. I'm excited to hear your story here. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so I usually start out with, um, I don't know if we can do like visualizations. <laughs> yeah. um, so usually I just ask people to close their eyes for a minute and picture yourself waiting in the staging area of a giant arena. You're behind a curtain waiting in anticipation. You've just finished competing, you're sweaty, your hair is a mess, you haven't caught your breath yet. Your heart is racing from the adrenaline of the fight, the fight that you just won. You've put on your tracksuit and you're getting ready to step back out in front of the crowd. The announcer calls your name, the gold medalist, and you hear the crowd roar. As you step out from behind the curtain, the lights of the arena are bright and blinding. All you can do is gleam with joy and smile and wave to the crowd as you make your way toward the podium. You take a giant step up onto the tallest box of the podium with your competitors beside you. Your coach comes to give you your medal, the gold medal, because you're the champion. And it's such a special moment to have your coach presenting that gold medal, a symbol of triumph to you. You smile at each other, both knowing how much has had to go into you making it there to this moment. Right now, it seems like a secret you both share because the crowd hasn't seen all the work that led you there the blood, sweat, and tears as you pushed yourself to the extreme and grinded away in the shadows, pursuing your dream, working every minute of every day until you could step out and show the world what you've got. You bow your head and your coach places the medal around your neck. Your hands are trembling as you reach out to shake your coach's hand. Congratulations, he says. You feel overwhelmed with emotion. Is this really happening? You look down at the medal around your neck. You touch it to make sure it's real, feeling the weight in your hands and the smooth, cold metal against your skin. Your national anthem begins to play. As you begin to sing along, you place your hand over your heart and your eyes begin to well up. A tear rolls down your cheek. You're so proud you feel butterflies in your stomach. 
and you can see all the people in the crowd who came to cheer you on and share that pride with you. Now open your eyes and we'll look at how we got there. So it's hard to tell over the computer screen, but usually when I'm standing in front of a school, I'm a small person. I'm five foot three and I weigh like 125 pounds. <laughs> and so most people are like, she's a wrestler? And I'm definitely not what first comes to mind when people think of wrestling. Um, and then I usually have a video that I show people that's kind of like a highlight that shows a little bit about wrestling. Because a lot of people when they hear wrestling think WWE, which is very different from Olympic freestyle wrestling. Um, but then I like to get into how I got here because wrestling isn't a very mainstream sport, um, especially for women. In fact, when I was a kid, I tried a bunch of different sports, but none of them really connected with me. I would try them out for a season and I didn't connect with them. I wasn't passionate about it. So then I'd move on to the next thing until I found wrestling. And I was the kid who was naturally athletic and I was good at kind of any sport that I tried. I was told that I had the perfect body for gymnastics, but it just wasn't for me. I played soccer for a summer and the coaches asked me to play competitively. I told them I didn't want to spend my summer doing that. I wanted to spend my summer doing something fun. So all of these sports I tried, I never really connected with them. And I didn't really put a finger on it until I found wrestling. And I realized that that was the sport that I was passionate about. And you know, you found your passion when it energizes you, makes you feel good and you have fun doing it. It doesn't feel like effort. So how I got into wrestling, I was in grade nine and it was my first class of the day was grade nine gym class. And because it was gym and health, we were segregated. So all the girls were in one class together. And so the teacher was going through the syllabus, talking about what we were going to do. And I'm sitting in the bleachers with all these other girls. And when it came to asking questions, everyone's sticking up their hands, asking about when cheerleading tryouts are, if there's going to be a dance team this year. And I stuck up my hand and asked the teacher when football tryouts were. Um, I've always been that kind of person who likes to, I guess, rock the boat a little bit and be different. And of course, the teacher tried to explain to me that there was no girls football team at my high school. But I'm always like, just because someone tells you no, don't let that stop you. You should go for it anyway. So I ended up trying out for the boys football team and I actually made the team. So I was the only girl on the junior boys football team that year, which of course was a little controversial. And you know, a lot of the guys didn't like having a girl on the team, especially if I beat out their friends for a spot. But I did have a couple guys who were my really good friends and they loved that a girl was able to play a contact sport at that level and hit just as hard as the guys, run just as fast as the guys. And so those became my friends. And they were the ones that actually introduced me to wrestling. So in my high school, what happened was we had our fall sports season, our winter sports season, and a spring sports season. So my fall sport, of course, was football. And then when football season ended, I, my teammates and friends asked me if I had a winter sport lined up. And of course, I didn't. I hadn't really thought past what was going to happen after football. And they asked me if I wanted to try wrestling. And so this is kind of where I think that the growth mindset piece comes in. 
So the five components that I talk about when I say having a growth mindset is to be curious when trying new things. Don't be afraid to take risks. Be optimistic. Don't be afraid to think good things will happen from trying something new. Be flexible and be persistent. So that was the first lesson that being a wrestler ever taught me before I even found the sport. And so I went out to practice and I don't know if it was love at first sight, which is where the flexibility and persistence comes in. Um, I definitely thought that my friends were inviting me out to WWE. Having a smackdown. Um, but it was nothing like that. Uh, there were no clothes hangers or jumping off any ropes. <laughs> um, but I went anyway because I was curious and I took that risk. And increasing your exposure to new things increases the likelihood of discovering exciting new opportunities. Um, it's not always comfortable to try new things, but you have to take that leap of faith because the payoff is worth it. And when I had you do that visualization of standing on top of the podium, that was my payoff. So that one risk and one thing I was curious about so many years ago now um, has led me down such a beautiful path, all because I went out to that first wrestling practice. And that's why I'm even here able to talk to you today, because I did that. Um, and where the optimism and flexibility comes in, like, don't be afraid to assume that good things will happen from accepting unexpected invitations. Um, sometimes opportunities that come our way don't match our perceived ideal, but they turn out to be the best experiences anyway. And so persistence, I feel like I could talk about forever and I feel like I have a million stories about being persistent. Um, but the one story that comes to mind, I guess, when I was talking about the blood, the sweat and the tears, that's just the cost of daring to pursue your passion because anything worth doing is never easy. And one of the biggest examples, I think, of where I not only proved to myself, but proved to other people was when I was down in the States at a wrestling tournament, there was a dual meet at, uh, at one of the colleges. And collegiate wrestling in the U US is huge. It has a huge following. Um, but of course it was a male duel and the crowd was majority male and we walked in and we saw that there was a huge stand set up in the corner and there was a huge flock of people around it. So we got in closer and it turns out it was a demonstration for the Marines. And so they had this giant pull-up bar set up and guys were basically trying to do as many pull-ups as they could to get different Marines prizes. So. I was immediately like, I want to try this. This looks like fun. And I want to see how many I can get. And of course, everybody in the line ahead of me was a guy. So I got into line, I waited my turn, and nobody had yet reached the 20 pull-ups that it was the Marine standard for entry that would take to get a Marine's t-shirt. And I was like, I don't know if I can do 20, but I want to get close. So I get to the front of the line and turns out that the women's standard is actually to just hold a dead hang for a minute and 40 seconds, which I was immediately kind of let down like, oh, okay, this is what the women have to do, but all right, I guess I'll do it for the t-shirt. So I get up and I'm doing the hang and then the best possible thing happens 
my coach yells out from the crowd, do some pull-ups. And I was like, you're right. I came here to do pull-ups. I'm going to do some pull-ups. So I start cranking out the pull-ups and immediately faces in the crowd were shocked. One guy even said, oh my goodness, that girl's doing pull-ups. And of course my coach yells back, yeah, women can do them too. And so I'm here cranking out some pull-ups. I think I only got about eight. <laughs> but of course, everyone was invigorated by the fact that I was even just proving everyone wrong and that a girl could be up there doing pull-ups too. And the Marines were actually so impressed that they actually gave me a shirt anyway. And this is where I usually bring it out and pass it around to kids. But of course, I can't really pass it around. So there is the shirt. Says Marines, the few and the proud. And that's kind of what I think of myself as, as a female wrestler. There aren't many of us, but those of us who are in the sport, we are so proud of what we do. And things have been really hard. There's been a lot to overcome as a female athlete in a male-dominated sport. Um, for a really long time, women's wrestling wasn't even taken seriously. And they actually had an award at the World Championships for the most beautiful wrestler. So things have come a long way, but it's still a fight to be taken seriously and be treated as an athlete and a competitor rather than just a pretty face. And I have fought to not just be seen as strong for a girl, but to just be strong. And to not just be pretty good for a girl, but to be recognized at good at what I do and just a strong competitor in my sport. So that's kind of my biggest point to take away when it comes to being persistent is don't let people tell you no. Um, anything worth doing is going to be hard. And if you want it badly enough, go out there and get it and prove those people wrong because there will be a lot of naysayers along the way. But the biggest thing that I love is when someone says, you can't do this. And I say, watch me. <laughs> well, Samantha, I love your story. Yeah. Part of the reason I really wanted to have you on the show today is because we've had a lot of professional athletes. We've had a lot of Olympians, but not many of them have had to break stereotypes, have had to deal with prejudices. And, and I'm sure that started for you as, as soon as ninth grade, you know, going out for the football team and then dealing with wrestling. Um, there are a lot of just tradition. Uh, I know certainly here in the United States, but uh, around the world that girls are not supposed to, to do certain things. How did you get, I, I'm sure for you personally, you just wanted the challenge, but I'm sure there was a lot of opposition. How did you deal with that? Um, it's been really challenging, but I think I am also now in the generation of women who are kind of like the second wave. Like there was a whole generation of women ahead of me who were really the trailblazers. Like we're still kind of trailblazing now in terms of trying to reach equality for having female representation in the sport of wrestling right. and I think we're doing so much better but it all started with the women that I watched and so I wasn't even when I was initially not sold on wrestling um I've always wanted to go to the Olympics it's been my dream like as long as I can remember mm -hmm. since I was like a little little kid but because I tried all those different sports and I never found the one that I really loved I wasn't really sure what I was going to go for. Um, and it wasn't until I actually started wrestling in 2003 in the fall. Um, and that next summer, 2004, was the first time that women's wrestling was on the Olympic program. Mm. And so 
that was amazing that this sport that I had just tried was at the Olympics. And I actually got to see women doing the sport that I just started doing. And I got to watch a woman, Tanya Verbeek, who's from Canada, from around the area that I grew up. She won an Olympic silver medal. And being able to watch that happen, like you can't be what you can't see. And having role models in sport is so valuable. Being able to see her do that and reach the pinnacle of our sport, being able to watch that on TV and cheer her on as a fellow Canadian who just started wrestling was amazing to me. Right. And well, so having those role models and like having coaches who have been women has been super instrumental hmm. in, in helping me overcome the obstacles. That's great. Now, I, just um, not being a woman in, in wrestling, but being a world competitor in wrestling, let's talk a little bit about what that entails. What I mean, because you've been at the top of your game for a long time, a 10-time national medalist and preparing for the Olympics. Um, what does training look like for you? What's kind of a typical day of training look like? Yeah, so I guess it's always hard to describe how I kind of break break up the week. Um, mm -hmm. And right now things look a lot different, obviously, than they would normally. Right. Um, so prior to everything COVID, um, I generally would be in the weight room doing strength and conditioning uh, three days a week. So those would be my like Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. And then I would have three or four days a week of doing a cardiovascular program set up by our exercise physiologist. Um, basically, when you get to that high level, you don't just go out for a run anymore. You actually have to, <laughs> your running has to be trained and specific for your sport. Um, so I have a specific program there where some days it's interval training, some days it's like long aerobic stuff. Um, and so those are usually my Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, and then five days a week, Monday through Friday, I was on the mats for uh, an hour and a half to two hours every night. And then in there, I also have recovery, uh, stretching. Um, we also have a sauna to help with like muscle recovery, um, as well as appointments with massage and physio to make sure that, especially now that I'm getting up there in age and I'm one of the older competitors, um, training smarter, not harder, has been hugely instrumental in taking care of my body. It's not so much the... Uh, I think we're getting away from the mentality of embrace the grind to thinking that we can do things in a smart and intelligent way and actually increase our longevity in the sport by training smarter. So I really taken that philosophy to heart. And uh, although I train six days a week, I try to do it in the smartest, most efficient way possible. Yeah. It's interesting with that smarter, not harder. So I I'm an athlete too. I don't look, as athletic as you but my my story is I lost 100 pounds and got into ultra running and last year I was training for a double marathon a 52 mile run and I was doing 70 80 90 miles a week in training and I had all sorts of um, health problems with my feet they just couldn't take the the you know that beating and I did my race and then I promised my wife that I'd scale way back and I have and it's interesting in the last few months as I've been training smarter, so I'm doing a lot more interval training. Today I did 18 100s, and it, it was brutal, but I have improved my running like 
leaps and bounds above what I was doing last year when I was training three or four hours a day. Now I can do it in an hour a day and I'm making huge gains. And so it's, it's awesome that we live in this world where we know that that's true. You can train smarter. You don't have, it's not all just about the grind. Um, but I want to talk about the grind a little bit because I, again, I, I want to go back to kind of high school for you because a lot of kids watching this are in high school and they want to compete at a high level. Um, you had limited opportunities to compete at a high level in high school. And so I want to dig into that a little bit. What kind of, as far as wrestling and, and continuing, I don't know if you stuck with football after that freshman year, but what kind of opportunities did you have as a girl trying to wrestle in a male dominated sport? What was there available to you at that time? Um, wrestling actually was a lot better than some of the other sports that I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, like football after that first year, like, I don't even know if I would have made the team if it hadn't been the circumstances that we were under, which was that the majority of the guys who were also trying out, it was a building year and they were also freshmen. So that next year, I actually didn't go back because of course the guys started getting bigger and stronger and I stayed the same size. Right. So I haven't, uh, my body composition has changed a lot from high school, but my size hasn't. I've always kind of been this same weight class, mm-hmm. but that's where I think wrestling was great because it's divided into weight categories. So you're only wrestling people your size. Um, and for women in Canada, we actually had enough people that it, we were able to have women's only weight classes. Wow. So I know some of my teammates and stuff like, didn't always have those opportunities depending on their region. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know some women who are on the U S team who actually weren't able to compete against women at all. They had to compete against the men. Um, Like one of my really good friends that I actually come down and train with a lot is uh, Whitney Condor, who was the world team member for us in 50 kilograms. So she's just the weight class below me. And she's originally from Washington and the best she ever did at States was fourth because she was wrestling guys. And it was, like, amazing that a girl even got fourth at States yeah. against all-male competitors. So that's been, like, crazy for me to hear, I guess, because I didn't always have the same experience in Canada. Like, a lot of my training partners have been guys, but when it gets to competition, thankfully, I've been able to compete against all-female competitors. Cool. Now, when you hear things like, I don't want to just be strong for a girl, I want to be strong, and things like that, the the reality is that boys and girls are built differently and, and to wrestle against a, a guy is different than wrestling with a girl. How did you reconcile that? Because you wanted to be just the best. Like how, how do you reconcile that there are differences and, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, I think the hardest thing, I guess, for people to um, understand, I guess, is that I don't know. This is the hardest thing for me to explain because there are physiological differences between men and women. Um, And those have been like proven that, you know, up to a certain age before puberty, like boys and girls are kind of have similar, they're kind of on the even playing field. And then once puberty happens, uh, it kind of goes like men take off. (laughs) And, uh, it's kind of been hard that I guess I don't necessarily want to be compared to like men's numbers in the gym. I guess I think that's Mm -hmm. what I'm thinking of is like 
I don't like to be compared to other people in general. So if somebody's going to give me a compliment in the gym because I can deadlift 300 pounds, like anybody deadlifting 300 pounds is impressive. Right. Like whether you're a man or a woman. So seeing that I want to be told like, wow, you're really strong. Not you're strong for a girl. Right. Because I think when it comes to like athletes at the highest levels, like you look at the differences, for example, in powerlifting, like the men's records in powerlifting are like 65% higher than the women's records in powerlifting. There's a huge strength gap there, mm-hmm. but those women are still strong and can lift a lot more than like your average guy. Right. So when you're looking at like athletes at the highest level, a lot of female athletes are stronger than the average person. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of what I mean by, I want to be seen as strong, not just strong for a girl. Like, right. I want my numbers to be seen and respected and my performance to be respected in its own right. Like I'm competing against other women who are the same size as me. So I want to be seen as like the best wrestler in my weight class, in my gender category. I don't want to be compared against like the male champion in a different weight class. So it's kind of like you have to, I guess, be compared within your lane. So like in my women's 53 kilogram weight class, I want to be seen as one of the best competitors in the world. And that's not to compare me to, for example, like the 74 kilogram world champion in men's wrestling. So I think that like everybody has to kind of be compared where they're at. Like you wouldn't necessarily compare the smallest weight class against the largest weight class. Like there's a huge difference there. Even for men's wrestling, it goes from 57 kilos all the way up to 125 kilos. Would you compare like the 125 kilo athlete to the 57 kilo athlete? Like, obviously, the 125 guy is going to be able to lift way more than the little 57 guy would. Right. But they're each strong in their own right. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the, the clarification there because I think this is an issue that kids need to be thinking about um, because it's not just men versus women or age or, uh, you know, even race and things. We're, we're thinking right now as a world a lot about equality and about making sure everyone has opportunities uh, to, to reach their potential. And sometimes it's difficult because kids think, well, I can do really well in this area, but not as good as someone else. And I think we, we have issues when it comes to comparison and trying to be the same or better than someone else. Whereas sometimes there's not a clear cut. It, it isn't exactly equal because people are different and circumstances are different and opportunities are different. And so I love that you've been able to excel but also that you've been able to improve within your own lane. And I, I think that's really cool. Um, one, that you're setting an example for women everywhere on what's possible, you know, what you've been able to achieve, but that you've also just looked, you know, within yourself to say, I can grow in these areas. That's really cool. And really it's kind of about like your potential is the best that you can be, which is not to compare yourself to somebody else. Because I think that there are a number of different factors, like, Things like lifting in the gym, like somebody who has longer levers might have a better time doing another exercise than somebody who's like shorter. Like a lot of different body types can excel in different areas. So comparing yourself to somebody else who has like different genetic capability and different lever lengths and like muscle mass and a different body type than you, I don't know that that's useful. Like comparing you to you is what I find more valuable. Right. So how much can I lift now versus how much could I lift last year? Am I making that improvement? Am I getting better? 
am I becoming the best that I can be, like, regardless of what anyone else is doing? Yeah. And I, I think that's fantastic. When you were sharing your story earlier about the, the pull-ups, I thought one of my visualizations, you know, I don't have any gold medals, but I did get a standing ovation last year because I did one pull-up and my, my fifth graders were in the classroom and they knew, you know, I'd lost a hundred pounds. I, there were a lot of physical things that I'd never even tried before. And so I was vulnerable and I said, okay, we're in PE today. I'm going to try to do my first pull-up. And they gave me a standing ovation. It was one of the highlights of my year was doing a single pull-up because that's what I could do, you know? And so to yeah, compare mine sure. to yours, it, it doesn't really work. Yeah, um, exactly. It's based on like what you can do and what's like your best. Right. And like seeing that improvement in yourself, like that's what it's about. It's not about comparing yourself to what other people can do. It's like, what's the best that you can do and where's your improvement at? Right. Well, let's talk about some of your goals now moving forward. I mean, you've been at the top of your game for a long time and looking towards the Tokyo Olympics. And then, of course, this pandemic threw everything off. Um, so what are you looking at moving forward? What kind of are the goals that you have on your horizon? Yeah, so I guess usually when I talk about like goal setting, I tend to like steer away from the SMART goals. I feel like those are kind of driven home now. Everybody understands how to set a SMART goal. Right. Um, but I find that a lot of people, when they're setting goals, focus on outcome goals. And those are great, but it doesn't necessarily break down what you need to do like right here in this moment. And so the analogy that I kind of use is, for wrestling anyway, like every wrestler wants to win the match, but how are you going to make that happen? So I usually talk about the five P's of goal setting, um, process, performance, preparation, be present, and be positive. So basically when I'm talking about like the process, I'm talking about like being present and because goals for the future are awesome and they give you a direction, but being focused on what you can do right now in the present moment, I think is more um, beneficial, I guess, to like, what, what are you going to do in the gym? Like right now, what are you going to do at your tournament right now? Um, basically for me, when I'm thinking about the process for wrestling specific, I think about the moves that I want to execute when I'm on the mat. Um, so I'm focused on the techniques that I need to do during my practice or a tournament. Um, I know that when the whistle blows in a match, my go-to move is a single leg takedown. So for me, like that's the process. I want to focus on what I'm doing in that moment because it doesn't serve you to focus on wanting to win the match. I have to focus on how I'm going to do it. And so performance goals also focus on the action of carrying out the task at hand. Um, I think about how I want to perform. So when I'm on the mat, I want to control the center of the mat. I want to move my opponent. I want to dominate the hand fight. I think of what I can do, like keep my feet moving, always progress towards the next scoring opportunity. Um, because it's easy to think about that outcome, but the performance is like how I want to perform to achieve that, how I'm going to make it happen. Um, and then for preparation, this kind of like leads into confidence building as well. Mm -hmm. um, because it, for me, I look at like my past successes and the actions that I've taken to lead up to that moment that make me prepared. 
So a lot of times for like a test or like an athletic competition, a job interview, anything like that, people get nervous and anxious. And one of the ways to give yourself confidence in that moment is to look at what you've done to get there. So I focus on the preparation that's gone into being ready for the tournament and for the match at hand. I look back at all the sessions that I did in the weight room and I can think, wow, I did all of that. I'm really strong. I look at all those cardio workouts, all those sprints and intervals, and I think I'm really fast. And I look back on all of my past results and those tournaments where I've meddled and opponents that I've beaten and the work that I've done in the wrestling room, and I can have the confidence that I'm a great wrestler. And all of that together kind of gives me the confidence to know that right now, in this moment, I can go out there and execute what I want to do. And so I tell myself that I'm strong, I'm fast, I'm a great wrestler, and I'm ready. And those are the things I tell myself before every single match that I wrestle to kind of get myself in that headspace. And they're all focused on the present. It's not, I was a great wrestler. I'm a great wrestler right now because of everything that I did, my preparation. And they're positively framed as in, I think, I don't think negatively, like I don't want to get scored on. I think I want to execute my attack. I want to stop their shot. It's all like framed positively about things that I want to happen, not things that I don't want to happen. So that's kind of how I approach goal setting normally. Of course, with COVID and everything that's gone on, my goals have shifted a little bit um, since we don't know kind of when the next opportunity for competition will be. And of course, not knowing that makes it harder to set those goals and benchmarks in the gym, um, doing the cardio stuff. All of my training has kind of shifted to off-season training, right. which we normally don't have an off-season in wrestling, which sounds really weird. But we usually go from, we have like a domestic season where we wrestle in Canada at a number of events. And then we have our nationals, which then determines our like national team ranking. And then we start our international season and then repeat. So it kind of just goes like that all year, all year, every year. And uh, so not having that, I've had to adjust a lot because I don't have those outcome goals that kind of lead what I want to do in the present moment. Right. So basically what I'm doing now is I'm still focusing on being present. Um, and I don't know if anyone else has spoken kind of about mindfulness and being present and like what you're feeling and what you're going through in the moment. Um, but basically every day I've set three goals for myself. Um, I want to do something that makes me feel well. So that can be like a workout. Um, that can be like going for a walk. I have a bike going for a spin. Um, to do one thing that makes me feel a sense of accomplishment. So that could be like filling out, updating my resume or like, uh, I don't know, my workouts kind of count as that too. Doing chores, um, anything that gives me like a sense of like, I did something today, I have accomplished something. Um, and the third one is to do something that makes me feel connected. So that could be like this interview, for example, because I'm talking to you and I'm being connected to another human being and I have that social connection. So, so those have been my three goals during COVID to do every day. Yeah, I, this is so good for kids to hear. First, with the, the goal setting, that you focus on the process, 
you know, and what you can do, being positive. I think that's something kids need to hear right now because all of our futures are kind of in limbo and, and we've had to sh shift our goals, whether it's in sports or any other area. And so I think your, you know, your five Ps, they totally work even for right now. So that's good. But I, I love what you just said with those three things that you're focusing on each day. Um, because we can control a lot about what's happening in our, in our lives. And so, you know, having those little things to work on, if you had one piece of advice, I'm, I'm a little worried about kids, especially since it's been a long time that they've been home now. And I'm worried about both their physical and their mental health. When you think about what you've done in your life and the habits you've established to to just feel healthy so that you can do things and so you can perform at a high level. What's one or two small things that kids can be doing just to work on their health every day and making sure that they feel good? Yeah, I think, so this is the thing that I think people have a really hard time with in um, now that mental health has become kind of like a topic that everyone's talking about and self-care has kind of become a buzzword. Mm -hmm. Um. But self-care is not checking out because you're trying to avoid the feelings of like anxiety and maybe depression that you're going through. Right. Um, because I think it's really easy right now where everyone is self-isolating. Um, you're not allowed to like gather in big groups. Maybe you're not allowed to see your friends and family. Maybe they live somewhere else and you're not allowed to travel anymore. Um, so it's really easy and your people are definitely not alone in feeling that like anxiety nervousness, uncertainty about the future, um, sadness, depression, those are all like completely normal. Um, I think thinking about the future doesn't necessarily serve us in this moment. And when it comes to self-care, it's doing those things that recharge you and make you feel better. So it's not just like sitting and watching TV and checking out because you don't want to feel the bad feelings anymore. It's doing something that gives you, makes you invigorated and like gives you energy, doing something that's productive. So maybe like reconnecting with old hobbies that you used to love as a kid um, and you've maybe gotten too busy to do anymore. Like during COVID and isolation, when people are not working, um, people are at home, like this is a perfect time to like reconnect with those things that you used to love. Right. If you used to love like cooking, like, take an online cooking course or like look up a new recipe online and like try that out. Um, if you love gardening, like go outside and just dig around in the dirt and reconnect with those things that you used to love. It's kind of about, I guess, doing the things that you're really passionate about. And like, that's for most people, what their hobbies are, something that makes them feel really good, that energizes them, that they like love doing. So doing those things, I think, can really help lift your spirits right now and kind of like recharge your batteries. Yeah, that's really great advice. Samantha, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. If kids want to learn more about you or connect with you online, where's the best place for them to go? Um, so I have a website. It is samanthastewart.ca. Um, I'm also really active on Instagram. Uh, my username is at uh, sam underscore stewart 53. Um, but I also have Twitter and Facebook, so I'm on almost everything. <laughs> so. Cool. We'll link those up uh, in the description for this video. Thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
or wherever else you listen to virtual assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this virtual assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.